Hello, and welcome to Dice Try, the RPG and storytelling podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Schaub. Hello, and welcome to the new episode of Dice Try. I am your host and GM, Daniel Schaub. I am here with all my players, Crystal Llewellyn, Paul Dixon, and Earl Kim. Good evening. And off to the side, we also have our audio engineer, GTM, which stands for Greater Than Me. Aww. He is greater than all. That was actually a suggestion of mine from somebody I used to go to high school with, so I have to give some credit to Scott Taft for that one. His other suggestion was Go Trump MAGA, but I don't know how you feel about that. Yikes. No. That's, that's, that's what we say to that. Yikes. We, say, we Yikes. say no thank you, sir. Since we're recording this episode before the election, I just want to do some quick reactions from you guys. So... I will say something and you just react to the first sound that comes out of your mouth. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So congratulations, President Biden. (laughs) Congratulations, President Trump. Oh my God. Why is this happening to us? That's my reaction. And then finally, congratulations to the Green Party. (laughs) Who's the Green Party candidate? I don't know. know. Some (laughs) dumb bitch. (laughs) GTM and I have been making this joke for like a week now, and neither of us have bothered to look up who it is. Yeah. (laughs) Do we even have an actual Green Party? I mean, we do, but like, there's no candidate, is there? Is it Ross Perot? Well, in 2016, it was uh, Jill Stein. Jill Stein, yeah. Is it her again? I kind of doubt it, right? You should do one with if Kanye wins. Oh, God. Congratulations, President West. Well, no, see, he's Vice President West. Yeah, he didn't actually run for president. He's not running for president. He's running for vice president. But he's a genius. What what is happening? Genius, y'all. If you run for vice president, doesn't it just sound like you're setting up an assassination attempt of the sitting president? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, honestly, that would be the only reason to run just for that office, right? I don't know. I feel like if you just, you know, if you're just content and having like, a little bit being of near the action, but not actually having any. Yeah, just sitting in the Senate all day. Yeah. yeah. Smacking you a gavel. You know what's happening. <laughs> you get to be around the president when he uses the red phone. Two oh, oh my god. Howie Hawkins is the Green Party nominee. All right. And his campaign slogan is H2O. Fuck you, Howie. (laughs) Same to you, Joe Jorgensen. Joe Jorgensen's actual evil. Like, she's... She's dumb. (laughs) Like, she's... Like, did you... Did you also read Atlas Shrugged when you were in ninth grade and then came to a realization of like, oh my God, yeah, I guess being an asshole is the way to be. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you, Joe. (laughs) Anyway, let's get into our game and leave all this behind. A different kind of horror now awaits us. Yes. I prefer this horror. Yeah, that's true. Do our recap and then we have a very short intro this time before we get back into the game. In the previous episode, our heroes caught up with the mysterious outdoorsman Carter McGrath. From the sounds of it, McGrath and Hughes had spent quite a bit of time together and had discovered a potential source for the magical mutagenic ooze infecting New Nazareth. It appears that the substance is rising up from the cave systems below the hills and affecting the local flora and fauna, especially areas not close to tobacco fields. He informed them that this situation might have been spreading over the past several 
several years and that the mutant animals appear as one. There are no pairs. On returning to the community, McGrath showed the team a rattlesnake skin that measured over seven feet long. He also told them that if they want to investigate the caves, they should speak with the Wild Sisters. While going to the hotel to see Hughes's belongings, they heard the distress calls of crows from the cemetery. They went to investigate and were attacked by a beast made from crows and vines. We left off with the beast defeated and turning itself inside out to leave behind no noticeable mass of a monster. In 2000, Kentucky historian James Clotter observed, whether male or female, adult or child, Kentuckians of 1900 lived in a much more violent society than we do now. Aside from the violence of the Black Patch Tobacco Wars, Kentucky was rampant with human aggression. Temperance advocates such as Carrie Nation would attack saloons with hatchets. In the year 1900, the newly elected Governor William Goebel was shot on his way into the Capitol and sworn in on the steps shortly before dying. The Hargis Cockrell feud lasted for more than a decade, while other feuds lasted for the better part of half a century. And we're going to go right back in. You're standing in the cemetery, having just defeated this worm made of crows and vines, collapsed inward on itself. And as it did, the vines pulled the skin off of the musculature of all the crows. So now you just have this mass of dead crows and vines lying at uh, Charles's feet. The last like echo of the sheriff's gunshots are like echoing off into the hills. But surprisingly, you do not hear any noises from the houses or the businesses that surround you. There's actually a surprising stillness that has suddenly come over all of New Nazareth in this moment. One more thing before we get into it, just in terms of recovering from damage that you take during combat and whatnot, Mm -hmm. you automatically go back up one level of health at the end of combat, which is sort of implies that your, you know, blood is clotting or whatever swelling is start to, starting to go down. And then if you're on several levels down, you can use magical healing or like med kits or whatever to mm-hmm. get yourself up higher. And then you regain all your levels once you take a long rest, such as sleeping for the night. Okay. So we pick up with this stillness that's fallen over New Nazareth. You originally could hear crows cawing up above when you were here earlier in the day. There's nothing now. Any crows that might have not gotten caught up in this mass have fled. I immediately bend over and just hurl a bunch. Because <laughs> it's, it's like all in front of me. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm covered in sort of this weird combination of like blood, viscera, green things. And feather, like I'm just sort of like, oh. Yeah, your norm- normally immaculately kept clothes are just <laughs> soiled with yeah. blood. I'm just like, I'm, I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> I hand you like a little anti-nausea like potion I have on my on my hip. I'm like, mm. it also works for for anxieties and things. Mm. Thank you. Um, I want to I want to investigate the gravestone that it came out from behind what who who's is who who what who and why what why I want who's to investigate <laughs> yeah, who's so, uh, so you don't need to roll for investigation or anything it is one of the bigger headstones which you know is all of the Keller family and as you rub away some of the moss you can see that it actually belongs to Egon Keller he was the founder of New Nazareth and it is the one in the dead center of the cemetery like all the vines and moss kind of spiral down behind that headstone what is there now? So there are still some vines growing outward. The moss is still there, but you can see that you severed off a good portion of the vines when you were attacking the crow beast. Great. And the vines, if they weren't severed, have actually withered and all the leaves have fallen off. Are the vine, is it like sharp? Is it, can I, can I hold on to some of the, I just want to see what is, if the green ooze essentially is 
comes out of the vine if I give it a squeeze? Sure. So you pick it up and you squeeze it. And yeah, a little bit of the ooze does squeeze out. And it actually seems to be thicker and more viscous. It was originally kind of water-like, but this is more tar-like as you squeeze it out. It partially might be due to when Maeve wafted uh, tobacco smoke over it. It was starting to cleanse the plants and stuff like that. And but it's definitely pick, there's a magical there's that ooze in there. Yeah, for sure. exactly. And as you squeeze it, you can see that it's actually covered in very, very small hook thorns. It's probably not even enough to get through your layers of skin, but to a smaller animal like a crow, if it hooked onto them, they probably wouldn't be able to get away. Sheriff, is this a n- natural vine or a type of natural vine in the area? Would I know that? As far as you know, this resembles a natural vine, but it looks different than what you've seen before. So it's like a mutation. Yeah, okay. all, all, all of these plant life and... They're all native. They're all native, but they're mutated in some sort. I've never seen one pick up crows like that, though. That was rather terrifying, fascinating. So behind the headstone, where all the vines have grown up from, they're all twisted together in kind of a stump-like fashion mm-hmm. that goes down behind the headstone. But it hasn't like receded. Just the ones that were severed have died out super quick. Okay, okay. Um, could I take my small spade and try to like, you know, essentially if you were trying to like uproot a plant to to, like get it out, could I try doing that with that? Uh, sure. So you start to dig down and pull some of the dirt away in the grass. You realize that the roots of this vine are very thick, like as thick around as my thumb. Mm -hmm. And if the vines are that thick, who knows how long they are. And you get the idea that you might just have to sever the whole yeah, system. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to do, I'm gonna do that. I want to make sure it's dead. And then I want to take part of it with me. <laughs> how large is it? Uh, you could probably wager that, yes, it is touching coffins. And the base of it is probably yay big around like a radius of 10 inches or so so it's fairly large so it will take you a bit of time to dig it up if you even if you do you know sever the roots yeah my only worry is that maybe this vine and the corpse of mr egon are uh possibly connected this vine very clearly has sinister magical properties would i cause too much of a fire if i just set it on fire (laughs) it's not super dry so you would actually have to yeah probably build quite a large fire just to dry it out and, and kill it before you then actually burned it up you know all right well if it's gonna take i mean i I just we should get back to what we were doing beforehand and looking yeah is there anything you have that might inhibit it so it doesn't grow back so fast it's very clearly not good and very clearly coming from the head of this household (laughs) so you could attempt like a purifying ritual of the soil just as like a suggestion yeah can i do that and then with the like leftover amount of tobacco leaves that i have i want to like burn one of them like on it just to burn the tobacco leaf itself even if it's not catching that thing on fire and then maybe like wrapping some around the stump as like a band-aid just to like maybe maybe hold it down a little uh how are you gonna purify the soil just as like a little description for the audience i I think i'm just gonna like sort of smudge over it and and making sure that the ash is falling onto that soil and and like working it inwards, maybe churning it a bit into the soil. Can you make, let's say, a resourceful and nature check for me. Okay, so eight. 10, 6, 2, 11, 1, 5, 9, 9. Okay, so you take your time to kind of dig up the soil around the stump and you burn some of the tobacco leaves that you have been given uh, and you pour it back into the soil and kind of mix it in so it's surrounding the roots and then you wrap a tobacco leaf around the stump almost like constricting it and then you hear almost like a breathing sound or like a whale sound when it's 
opening their blowhole and forcing air out and the earth around the root just flies up into the air and you see the plant actually push itself out of the ground a little bit and it starts to like stand up on its roots a little bit what and then it tips over and falls out of the dirt and you can see that the amount that it's pulled out of the ground if you were to look down in that hole you can probably see about five feet down the roots are still attached but it does appear that when you purified it it tried to get away but it probably did not have the strength to pull itself all the way away fucking terrifying is it I'm, still I'm assuming no one has a hatchet on them just to try to sever <laughs> sheriff you got a knife at least so you start hacking through these thick roots and your immaculate clothes just get even more destroyed as this I mean, we're, thick we're, we're in it. tarry substance just sprays up all over you. Your knife uh, raising in, in the uh, golden twilight as the sun is going down in the distance, throwing flecks of this tar up into the air. It appears dead now. Okay. But it is just oozing out this black tar. Or green tar, I should say. I think I need to clean up. Yeah, I don't like being here anymore. So you make your way back over to the hotel. As you enter inside, you do not see the proprietor, Elizabeth Danton, anywhere. Instead, you do see a young man sitting in the front hallway behind the desk who you've never seen before. As far as you know, he doesn't work at the hotel. As we pass, I look at him and I go, where's Miss Danton? Very sternly. Well, she would be upstairs. Was there something that I could help you with, perhaps? My name's Kyle. Can I have some extra towels, please? Oh, yeah, sure. I can help you out with that. You want some clean water, too? That would be much appreciated. Yeah, so the shared bathroom's at the end of the hall where your room's at. Uh, I'll bring up some water for you. I uh, go to the bathroom <laughs> and get ready to cleanse my body. He he just seems like he's like the night shift there, right? Would he have access to the things that we need? You could ask him. I don't know if we can trust him. Yeah. Well, so you make your way up to the bathroom and eventually Kyle comes with some water. I, uh, I get to bathing. Uh, I do, I do want to ask him if he knows like, when, when will Elizabeth be, be back at her post? Oh, uh, I don't rightly know. She told me she was having some trouble sleeping, so she took some uh, laudanum and went to bed. And I'm just gonna go back up to my room to make sure no one's broken into it again. So you make your way back to your room and I assume the sheriff does the same. Charles as you are cleaning yourself, could you make an insight and scry for me? Uh, five, nine, six, uh, seven, ten, eight, and ten. So as you are scrubbing yourself there, um, you start to reconnect with that dream that you connected with the night before and oh little orphan girl in the church but uh instead of being a little orphan girl in the orphanage you are actually lying on a bed uh staring up at the ceiling and you can feel your body shaking almost as if you're having night terrors not a good feeling (laughs) yeah and you also feel like you have a little bit of um a sleep paralysis almost going on. You feel like you can't lift your limbs or anything, mm-hmm. but your eyes are quickly darting around the room and you realize that the room you are sleeping in right now, or this person that you're connected to, mm-hmm. it's a room somewhere in this hotel. As you are staring up at the ceiling, waiting for this, you hear a noise that sounds like a and your head tilts down as far as it can go to look to the door. You can see a little bit of light coming underneath of the door to this room and a shadow pass before it. Underneath the door frame, one little crooked blackened finger comes and tries to like pull the door open, even though the door doesn't swing outward. It uh. swings in, but it's just like pulling on the door. And even though it's a heavy wooden door, it's actually making the door bend with just one finger. Oh, no. And then more dark fingers come up and pull on the door frame. And then both inside of this dream 
and in real life, you can hear someone walking up the stairs and you hear Kyle say, Miss Danton, are you all right? And the fingers pull away from the door. You're pulled out of the dream. And then a second later, you all hear Kyle scream. Okay. Uh, I immediately rush to where the screaming is. I grab a towel. I quickly put it on and I just yell out, Miss Denton! And, and start running towards the room. So you all burst out of your doors at the same time as you hear the scream. So there's a landing overlooking the foyer. All the hotel rooms are on one side. The room that Elizabeth Stanton has been staying in, kind of her office, is on the opposite side of this landing. And in front of her door, you can just see one boot sitting in the middle of the hallway, one man's boot. So there are gas lamps lit along the hallway, giving like pools of light. His boot is sitting in one of those pools of light. But in between that, there are these dark shadowy spaces that you have to pass through in order to get to his boot. Is there any noise? Is there anything like anything coming from Miss Stanton's room? You can hear uh, like a... <laughs> noise like she's maybe asleep but having nightmares so you start creeping through and you move into one pool of light lit by a gas lamp you move through the shadow into the next pool of light which is the landing looking down below and the next pool of light is the one that has kyle's boot sitting in it uh right in front of her door and as you enter that second pool of light the boot which was sitting upright tips over and blood starts to pour out of the heel of the boot oh god and just more and more and more blood. Not like a fountain spray, but just like a slow ooze that pours down the hallway towards your now naked feet and actually pours over the railing down into the foyer and you can hear it splashing against the tile floor below. Oh my God. To the point that there are so many gallons of blood just coming out of this one boot that there is no way that Kyle had this much blood inside of his body. It's on me now, isn't it? The blood. Yeah, you're going to have to shower again. Yeah, it's definitely on your feet. <laughs> you can feel that the blood is very, very warm. Unusually warm. Like, yeah. It feels hot. Against my, against my, all oh right, that's unsettling. Can I, am I close enough to see in yet? Uh, her door is closed. Oh, okay. I'm going to just follow after him too. Where then can I see any other parts of Kyle? Why don't you make an insight check? So okay. four, uh, seven, seven, 11, two. So you're looking all around for Kyle and you cannot find him anywhere within sight and it's it's not like there's like remnants of the rest of him so there's not like like viscera or like particle no you can't see a single part of him i i guess i'm just gonna keep creeping towards towards elizabeth's door so you creep towards her door and at the same time mave is coming up behind you you're in the pool of light that is directly in front of her door next to the boot uh mave has stepped into the pool of light at the landing in between you there's that shadow and, and all of a sudden from the ceiling a body drops and splashes down into the blood and <laughs> it used to be kyle um, Found Kyle. All his clothes are still on, but somebody has completely flayed him, completely moved all of his skin. When I look up, can I see, is the is the ceiling itself lit or is that fairly dark? This, so the ceiling that you're looking up at is pretty high up there. It actually looks all the way up to like a skylight. Can you make, let's say, an entuned check for me? Okay. 12 to 5. So you're staring up into the ceiling trying to find if something is hiding up there. As you're staring into the darkness, you think what you're looking at is just a piece of the darkness itself. But you can see that it's actually flowing and undulating and moving. A hand reaches out and puts itself on the skylight and you see blackened dead fingers. Another hand as this thing starts to crawl its oh, no. way across the ceiling oh, no. until it's in the middle of the skylight. Moonlight shining down through it, illuminating a figure in a dark robe with dead, desiccated, darkened skin, and it curves its back, so it's arching its back all the way back, so its head comes down to look at you. The sunlight actually coming up through the bottom of its throat, 
and like illuminating these black grizzly teeth and you see the face of a nun staring down at you it like cocks its head curiously at the sheriff and then it looks at both Maeve and Charles and you hear a voice say you will pay for your heresy and it starts to climb down the wall towards you guys we're gonna go into combat oh my god I've got a towel on again this is why you just don't shower this is why they don't shower in books yeah we will at least say that you picked up your weapon okay great I was gonna be like can I run to my room and grab it please well, you were probably changing in the bathroom. And yeah, everything's like, oh. still in the bathroom. And you grabbed it because you yeah. heard a scream. So, Because I'm resourceful like that. In order to decide who goes first, you're going to choose one of your qualities. Mm-hmm. And you will roll a D12. And whoever is close to the value of that quality will go first. I got one over. Uh, my qualities insight, four. I rolled okay. a five. And I'm going to roll resourceful. Which was four. I got a 12. I don't roll well on these initiative rolls. So, Charles, this nun, ghostly nun, is crawling down the ceiling towards you. What are you going to do? So, the last time I had, I only had one damage from that fight that we had. So you're back up to full. So I'm back to regular health. So I don't. Okay, great. Um, I'm going to just start out with go into a dance and do a double strike because we're not fucking around. (laughs) Okay. So you actually cannot reach it right now. So, oh, okay. So I can't. Yeah. It's like halfway down the ceiling towards you. Right. 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 You could like potentially throw a knife at it or if you Um, wanted to wait and say, let's have Maeve go instead or whatever. Can we have the sheriff go then? And I'll, 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 sure. uh, I'll wait. Cause he got a shooty gun. <laughs> so, sheriff, you are seeing two terrifying things within just a few hours of each other. So you're going to shoot it, I assume. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that will be experience plus firearms, which is eight. Okay. Eight, 12. 10, 2, 12, 6, 10, 2. So you got a success on at least one success on every single one of those rolls. So I'm going to have to roll pretty well to avoid being damaged here. So even though it got seven successes, the sheriff got 10. So as it's halfway down the wall, the sheriff just whips out his revolver, blasts a shot, and it catches it right in the ghostly chin. The bullet passes through it, and it actually does damage. It actually hits like something corporeal, but from the back of it, as the bullet goes all the way through, just this fountain of darkened blood just sprays across the wall and across the chandelier behind it more blood than even that spilled from kyle's boot earlier so Maeve, what are you gonna do uh i had a question real quick so far of channeling points does that work the same as our health if i if i had spent channeling points in that last round to do to do I forgot thing. to mention. Oh yeah, that was the thing I was quite curious. You guys about. got three back for killing the crow beast. Three. Oh, okay, so great. Three additional or three back. So back. if I had two, it's now five instead of four. Yeah. So whenever you use channeling points, they're gone. So whatever you, remainder you have right now, you add three to it. Copy that. Because I think I I think that basically means I have four again. Because I I think I used three during the fight. This will go. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I think so. I would like to invoke my ancestors. I spend two of my channeling points for that. The enemy has to attack the spirits instead of okay. us. Uh, so you don't have to roll for it, actually. Okay. Just on its next turn, it will have to attack those ancestors. Where would you like them to appear with it in the room? Could they be sort of like halfway between where we are on the floor and where the thing is on the ceiling? Like sort of hovering in that in between? Sure. So they'll be like just beyond the railing that you're standing. I 
there's a woman in front of us. So yeah, these ghostly figures of your past ancestors appear before you. And instead of being the blackened spirit that you're seeing crawling down the ceiling towards you, these spirits are actually pure and white. Do you want to stay where you are, Maeve, or did you want to move? I think I'll stay where I am. And who would you like to go next? Can can we just n- never choose the monster to go next? Just keep in mind that certain monsters will have special I abilities know. that they get to attack multiple times. If, if we end up uh, taking multiple turns. Okay. If I'll everybody goes. Go. It's actually, it's actually probably the best because you set up a barrier and yeah. I'm ready. So have a go. Cool. That, that we'll, go really we'll have the monster do it. So the nun finishes crawling her way down the ceiling and lands on the railing like a cat and takes a swipe at the ghosts in front of you. And then it's going to spend one of its channeling points. All of uh, Kyle's blood that has been spilled on the floor, all this blood shoots up into the air as if suspended on nothing and then sprays across all of you. For a second, feel like you're going to be afraid, but you do not take any sort of mental damage from that because I rolled so low. (laughs) And now I just get angry because I just took a fucking shower! Charles, it is your turn. Uh, Is this fucking nun close enough for me to whack the shit out of because I'm a cutter up. (laughs) Yeah, she is perched on the railing before you. Great. I'm going to do a dance. I'm going to, and I'm, I'm basically going to do it and I'm going straight into a double strike. So I'm going to spend a, a channeling point because I now have blood all over me. <laughs> yeah. I was okay with it just on my feet and like, you know, getting on my lower body. I can, you know, wipe that off. Easy, but now it is everywhere. So you leap forward with your knife to strike at her choice. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's archaic weapons piercing. So seven. Ten, ten, six, four. Eight, four, three. Would you like to re-roll any of those dice? Because um, I believe you only got one success. I only got one success, yeah. Nine. And then this is the part I forgot last time. So when you're using your signature weapon, such as your dice, you do mm-hmm. get to roll an extra dice, but it doesn't oh. change that target number that you're aiming okay. for. Okay, five. So that makes it three. Hooray. <laughs> That's not so pitiful. So you reach out and you take a swipe with your knife and the nun just holds onto the railing with like one hand and then leans itself back out of the way. <laughs> so your knife just swipes through clean air, but you are doing a double strike so you get to attack again. Yes. All right. Let's do it again. 11, 9, 9, 10, 7, 7, 12. And then did you also throw in the extra oh i didn't signature i didn't do the extra let me do the extra. a three nine ten so that's ten successes <laughs> block this one bitch so i rolled a lot of uh critals critical successes there oh no i know after thoroughly thrashing the crow beast this nun is giving you a lot of trouble because oh god you swipe across and you miss because she leans back. So you come down for a straight strike and she just leaps up and goes back up on the ceiling above you. She just still be within striking distance on your next turn. But yeah, she evades you once again because I got 12 successes. Damn. All right. Well, that's me. <laughs> uh, who would you like to start the next round? Um, Paul. <laughs> Shoot her. Shoot her again. All right. Uh, I'm going to shoot it. One, 12, one, 11, eight, 10, 10, seven. Is this nun going to wreck? Is this nun uh, wrecking us? Yeah. So she rolls 10 D8s and I just rolled three tens. Oh my God. Dan. You pull up your gun and you take a shot and it just passes through the nun. You don't see it have any effect on her because once again, I rolled uh, a little too well. And I'm sorry. After the sheriff, who would we like to go next? Yeah, we'll have the monster attack. Okay, so the monster drops down off the ceiling again onto the banister and takes some angry swipes at the ghostly spirits in front of her, but has no effect. Maeve, what would you like to do? Um, now, in terms of where she is positioned right 
right now. Could I try to get to the door where Elizabeth is? Yeah. So you can like scoop behind Charles and the sheriff to get over there and avoid getting out of her reach. And at the start of your turn, the ghostly vapors of your ancestors just kind of turn into stardust and fall away. Um, and would that move take my whole turn or can I try to open the door? Um, no, you can get there and open the door. Okay. It, actually, when you get there, it isn't even locked. But you do see Elizabeth Danton lying on her bed. And in classic form, there is a bottle of laudanum sitting on her dresser. Beside her, laudanum is basically old, uh, old-timey morphine. Mm-hmm. She was trying to put herself to sleep with it. Do I have any ability to do any actions now, aside from just opening that door? Or was that... Yeah, you can take an action. Could I take out some smelling salts and try to wake her up? Sure. Can you use resourceful and lore for me? Seven, seven, ten, six... Oh, excuse me. Nine, one. So you got quite a few successes, but the nun is actually trying to keep her under currently. I I assumed so. How did you guess? (laughs) (laughs) So it actually was very close because I also rolled nine successes, which is what you got. But then because the nun has been injured, she has to subtract one of those successes. Good job, shooty boy. You crack open smelling salts and you wave them under Elizabeth's nose and her eyes shoot open and they are completely dilated. She immediately screams and you just hear the scream reverberate throughout all the house and the specks of blood along the walls start to like vibrate just from her screaming. And the nun looks up and her face opens and just a fountain of blood pours out of the ghostly form, spraying against Charles and the sheriff once again. And (sighs) back breaks open and sprays blood all across the wall and the chandelier behind her. The top of her head opens up and blood sprays up and covers the uh, skylight above. And the ghostly form just turns into a tidal wave of blood that sprays in every direction, washing out and down into the foyer and just kind of gathering against the front door before you're finally seeping underneath of the crack underneath the front door and the nun disappears. Both Charles and the sheriff are standing there completely covered in blood, terrified. (laughs) Oh my God, that was horrifying. (laughs) I don't want to do this anymore. Some of it got in my mouth. So Elizabeth is uh, quite dazed and out of it. But uh, she says, is she, is, she, is she here? The sister Rebecca here? We got rid of her, at least temporarily. What what happened? Who is she? I hadn't seen her in years. And then he, you, you people, and she's like her hand just like grasps out almost at nothing, but then grabs onto the portion of your clothing that has the Keller House logo sewn into it. She's just like tugging at the logo. I didn't have start having the dreams until you people showed up. And then she found me again. Wait, when was the last time that you had dreams about her? When that other man, Hughes, was here. And is that the first time? Years. You had another dream the other night, didn't you? And you, like, step into the doorway to look into a room. <laughs> Still fucking covered in blood. <laughs> but her eyes can't even, like, focus on that. She's like, she just, like, nods at you, giving a scent that she did have a dream the other night. Do you remember that dream? I remember you. You remember me. You were the little girl. Yes. Hello. I'm so glad we found you. We, uh, I was beginning to worry about what had happened to you. Sister Rebecca, you said, was that thing's name. It was when she was alive. Uh, that orphanage. Where is that far from here? It was, it was in Illinois, outside of Chicago. Illinois. That's a distance away. Uh, I turned to, to Maeve. Do spirits here transverse freely? In my country, they're usually tied to geography often or are connected to things and and oftentimes can't venture past those those limits i'm assuming these are attached to people yeah it usually depends on the type of spirit but i would assume that that this spirit is attached to her elizabeth what made what made your dreams disappear when you were when you were a child when i moved here to new nazareth that's when they stopped and as you're standing there charles the warm blood 
on that's covering you and that's covering the sheriff and everything out in the lobby. It starts to cool rapidly and you see that the blood becomes more like that green tar. Let's have Maeve make a practiced in lore. So that'd be five. Two, four, five, six, nine. Last time I was talking about how the tobacco is like purifying the soil and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So you're starting to think that, yes, maybe this ghost, it was attached or is attached to Elizabeth, but it could not get to her in New Nazareth because of the tobacco fields surrounding the area. But now that the tobacco fields have been diminished by just not growing tobacco during this whole time period, maybe that's how the ghost was able to get here. It's weakened the the field. Yes. But also why specifically right now and why attached to you guys from the Keller house and stuff like that, that you're not exactly sure why. Okay. Maybe we get those things now and look into that. Is there some sort of tobacco leaf reserve where I can just steal all of it to deal with the whole of the fuckery <laughs> that's happening right now? Because I'm imagining that we're going to need a lot of tobacco. Sure. So on the opposite end of town, there is the tobacco storage and curing. It's a bunch of like big brick kilns where they cure the tobacco leaves. If you walk over there, you could probably find all the tobacco that you might want. Cool. Eventually, we're going to have to make our way there to get some ammunition. Elizabeth, when you were at this orphanage, did the sister's spirit bother anyone else? No. She she, she only came to me when she was alive, too. I see. Are you a smoker? No. You might want to take it up. And just like in her day state, her eyes just kind of roll back closed as she's trying to take in any of this information. But if you do ask, she does uh, say that Bartholomew Hughes's items are in a closet at the end of the hallway. Maeve, I'm not in any shape to handle anyone's things, so... Yep, I'm on it. <laughs> so I'm going go to go to that closet. So you open up the closet and inside you find... Uh, several trunks of like basically lost and found items. But there's one in particular that as you open it up, you can see there is a pen, a very nice fountain pen that has the Keller House logo on it that leads you to believe that this is Hughes's things. And you open it up and you find a lot of clothes. You also find a lot of notebooks, just like him drawing out plants or like whatever creatures. Kind of talking about different rituals. Some of it is bunk. Some of it is real. As far as you know, he wasn't like super magical himself. He was just a very good researcher. At the bottom of the chest, you do find a roll of butcher block paper. And as you pull it out and pull it into the light, you can actually see that that something has been drawn on the paper. Do I recognize that at all? Uh, you would have to unroll it. Okay, so I'm going to unroll it. So you find like a side hallway that uh, no one can bother you and you unroll it and you see a bunch of like squiggly lines and whatnot kind of crossing. It's all drawn in black. So you're not exactly sure what it is. Can you make a nature and resourceful check for me? So eight. Pretty sure I, as a, as a player, know what this might be. Four, six, three, eight, 11, 10, two, and one. So you're standing there stuck looking at it for quite a while. And then you reach into your pack and you pull out the map that you have and you lay it down and you start to realize that what you're looking at kind of resembles a map of this area just blown up and expanded, but it's not a map of above ground. What you're looking at is a map of the cave systems below New Nazareth. Mm -hmm. You can tell that by like zooming in, you can see that he's actually marked out like little caves or waterways or stuff, mm -hmm. like with little waves indicating, you know, water comes out of this cave and that forms this creek that correlates the map that you're holding in your hand. Yeah. Interesting. You're not exactly sure how he was able to so 
quickly mark out all these caves here. We got a map of the cave system, so this will be maybe another avenue of exploration. Yeah, mm -hmm. and you can see that all the caves kind of do lead into a central massive cavern. He doesn't have a scale drawn on there to show how big it is, but there is a large central cavern somewhere basically right beneath New Nazareth. I'm gonna assume it might be under the graveyard. What's happened to the blood now? So the blood oozes down the walls and it turns into that tar, but it continues running and disappears beneath the uh, between the floorboards eventually. So it uh, actually gonna, sort of cleans itself up. Yeah, I'm gonna before 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 we it goes, I'm just gonna scoop up a little more in like mm -hmm. a little cup. Say so dump it into a little mason jar or vial or whatever you have. Elizabeth, how did how did this nun die? She she killed herself after the mother superior found out what she was doing to me. Oh, Elizabeth, I'm so sorry. What was she doing to you? And she just stares directly into your eyes. She can't even bring herself to say it. You don't have I, to say anything? Uh, can I do a dream connection? Is yeah. that, can I use that as, a, as my ability? Um, yeah. And just be like, it's cool. Just say you tap into her dream, which is kind of awash in this filter of her drug haze. You are standing beside Elizabeth Danton as a child and a young nun who is alive is walking down the hallway, holding on to her by the hand. She leads Elizabeth into a small room off to the side, closes the door, actually leaving you outside in the hallway. But from outside in the hallway, you can hear a voice say, clear as day, remove your clothes. All right, come back out of that. And I just, I'm so sorry. And she just like weakly grasps onto your hand, like the <laughs> same way that she did in the dream when she was a child, like holding on to just one of your fingers with her loose grip. Oh. And she eventually drifts off back to <laughs> dreamland. Hooray. But the night terrors have seemed to have passed. So you clean yourselves up and you start walking across town towards the um, the storage facility where all, this, all the tobacco is kept and cured. It looks like a big stone factory and it just smells immensely of burning tobacco leaves, dark cured tobacco leaves. And there's a big uh, rolling door at the front and you can see there are these big stacks of dark cured tobacco leaves off the side running up the walls. And then about halfway down, there are these big brick kilns. Not all of them are lit right now, but there's basically a grate that they can rod leaves of the tobacco down on and cure and kind of flip over and whatnot. At the back of the room, there are several men standing around one of the kilns that is actually lit. There's red coals sitting down in the bottom of the kiln and they have their backs turned to you you can just see them kind of lightly illuminated in the red coals. So you actually see the men sit up and turn around. They are all wearing long duster cloaks. And as you turn around, you see that their faces are covered by sheets. One of them actually reaches up and he pulls the sheet away from his face. And you recognize the man instantly as Washington Martell. They're not wearing full Ku Klux Klan. Yeah, I was going to, that was my next question. Are they pointy? <laughs> no, they are not. <laughs> okay. And he says to you, now y'all weren't supposed to see that now, will you? All I've been doing since I've gotten here is seeing things I'm not supposed to. That is quite unfortunate. You see him reach down for his revolver mm -hmm. and he cocks it. As he cocks it, you see some sort of ghostly form moving around them that they cannot see. And it actually seeps into his revolver. And as his hand is on it, the gun goes off. It actually misfires and it blows a hole out of the side of his hip and it blows several of his fingers off. Oh, shit. And Washington Martell falls backwards. He crashes through the grate and into the coals of the kiln. <laughs> I'm, I'm there just like with armfuls of tobacco like I didn't do that and his friends are like god damn it and they start like gra they grab his foot to pull him out of Oof. the coals and you can see Washington Martell still moving burned with like embers stuck into his skin they are like are you alright boss are you and then suddenly his hand just comes up and his palm is covered in red hot coals and he 
palms one of his guys in the face and it burns a scorch mark searing the sheet into his face and Washington Martell gets back up burning embers stuck into his face and skin burning blackened and he stands up he stares at all of you and the duster cloak burns off of him revealing just his naked body with all these burning coals he just stands up and he screams and he makes a noise that sounds both like a human scream and a fire blazing at the same time going <laughs> and that's where we'll leave off this episode of dice Try. <laughs> oh my god shit's good it's terrifying Damn. so before we go let's go around the horn and do some plugs Earl Kim, what you got going on? Hi, everyone. One thing that's happening, uh, for those of you that don't know, I stream on Twitch uh, as Earl of Sandwich uh, as part of Dandy Saga. It's myself and uh, Dice Katsuji, who plays Jin Sakai in Ghost of Tsushima. Um, we are actually doing an exciting cast hangout interview session tomorrow with the amazing Somali Montano, who plays Yuna in the game. So uh, if y'all want to tune into that that would be great um uh check out uh dandy saga on twitch or uh earl of sandwich that's me um yeah that'd be great uh let's bring it on over to paul what do you got to plug my man at paul on dixon got on facebook instagram twitter all the stuffs uh krista what do you got going on? I am doing a pause of live streams right now, but you can follow me on Krista Llewellyn MUA for updates on future videos and future things that might be coming up. Uh, you can also um, follow my Etsy page on Instagram. It's at ShopRogue Etsy. Uh, I make uh, reusable face masks and other sort of makeup uh, tool things. Uh, and you can order on uh, Etsy as well at Chop Rogue. GTM, what do you want to plug? I'm also taking a break from streaming. Um, have a bunch of life things going on, but I'm also a big part of Dandy Saga. So check out their YouTube at youtube.com slash dandy saga where we up we have highlight videos and uh full streams so especially those q a's that earl brought up earlier you can find those and rewatch those on the youtube channel so follow and subscribe and like and watch and do all the things what about you dan well hey. thank you for asking i am at Hemingway Light on Instagram and Twitter. And um, much like many of my colleagues here, I have started streaming on Twitch also at Hemingway Light. So yeah, just uh, follow me on social because I'll update the schedule for all that. Also, if you have not subscribed to Dice Try, you should do that because on Thanksgiving, we will be releasing a special episode of the podcast, another fiasco special. So if you want to catch that, make sure you subscribe on on your favorite listening app. And I thank you all for listening and we will see you next time as we fight cinder burned version of Washington Martell. Thank you for listening to Dice Try. I'm your host, Daniel Schaub, and this episode's cast has included Paul Dixon, Earl Kim, and Crystal Llewellyn. This production has been edited by Gabriel Toya Melendez with special music provided by Glenn Davis. Please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Dice Try Podcast. And while you're there, don't forget to subscribe and review. Why hasn't companies done that, like hired like famous writers to write their instruction manuals and use that as marketing material? That would be amazing. Like, oh, we got Neil Gaiman to write this like instruction oh manual on this refrigerator. And it's like, oh my God, I want to buy that fridge now because I want to read this fucking instruction <laughs> manual. How do I use these headphones? Written by Dan Brown. <laughs> by opening this box, you've unleashed uh, an ages old secret. <laughs> that means that any sex toys would have to have their user manuals written by like Clive Barker. Oh man. Or what if it's like Danielle Steele? She probably has her own sex toy line, right? Like romance novelists. Isn't that a thing that you would think that, right? Yeah. I mean, there are porn stars that have uh, sex toys like made after their junk. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's true. Anyways. Anyway, so I should actually start this yeah, intro and get us into it. Anyways, sex toys. We went down a really weird tangent. Yeah. I know. I'm Series of tangents. That.